goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Man, that scares me so much. Uh, every, every time I do that intro, I know my best friend lives one floor up and one room over, and he says he can hear me, and that, that terrifies me. It is, it's currently 5.30 in the morning, which is you know, whatever it is. I hope I don't get a noise complaint. It's kind of an ongoing theme. Screw it. Whatever. I want to get the show out early this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in, man. I am... Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. The NFL draft was unbelievable. Remember what I said yesterday? Do you remember what I told you guys yesterday? I said nothing would go the way we expected. I was damn right. I hit the nail right on the head. I was right. My favorite quote before the draft, I said this. I said, statistically, people are stupid. And (laughs) they sure were last night. Oh, my goodness. So the NFL is a a highly stressful event. The NFL draft is. The NFL draft is an incredibly stressful event. You have 10 minutes to pick. The clock is ticking. And you have to make a decision. And when people have to make decisions in stressful situations, in stressful situations, people make bad decisions based on fear and arrogance. Fear or arrogance. People make bad decisions out of fear or arrogance. You know, they say, you know, they panic and they make a decision out of fear. Or they're arrogant and they think they know better than everybody else. And we saw a lot of that last night. And so that that leads me into the number one overall pick. And, and I'm not going where you think I'm going with this. You think I'm going to trash the Browns. You think I'm going to kill the Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns drafted Baker Mayfield, the quarterback out of Oklahoma, with the number one overall pick. And and I was surprised. I was surprised. You were surprised. Everybody watching the NFL draft was shocked. And I want to show you guys my initial reaction. I filmed my initial reaction to the NFL draft. My first initial reaction to the Cleveland Browns drafting Baker Mayfield was much different than how I feel now. But this is my initial reaction to the Browns drafting Baker Mayfield. The the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall? (laughs) What the fuck are are they thinking? Oh my god. (laughs) Why? Why would they do that? I I don't understand. I don't. (laughs) The typical Browns. You You had so many good options. Oh, my God. Oh, I, I love that clip. It, it just, I think it's hilarious. It makes me happy. I'm not even necessarily saying the Browns did something bad. I was just like, what in the world happened? I can't believe that. That was unbelievable. And I was just, I, I've thought about this a lot. I, uh, it is not the end of the world that the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall. I'm not going to trash the Browns. I'm not going to clobber them. Many people will today. I will not. Because here's how I felt about this draft for the Cleveland Browns. If nothing else, if nothing else, the one thing the Cleveland Browns must do from last night's NFL draft, the one thing the Browns had to do in the NFL draft, they needed to get a quarterback. And guess what? They did. In fact, I think Baker Mayfield's a better draft pick than Josh Allen would have been. So I'm not going to clobber the Browns. If I were the Browns, I would have drafted Sam Darnold. That's just what I would have done. 
I would have drafted Sam Darnold, and I would have drafted Bradley Chubb, the defensive end out of NC State. The Browns did not do that. The Browns drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall, and then they drafted Denzel Ward, the defensive back, the corner from Ohio State. I would have chose the pass rusher, but they didn't. You, you can argue that the Browns really needed help in their secondary more than they needed another defensive end. They needed a corner potentially more than they needed a defensive end. You can argue that, and that's fine. And at the end of the day, the Cleveland Browns got a potential franchise quarterback, probably a franchise quarterback. We, I, I'm pretty confident in Baker Mayfield. They also got Denzel Ward. They got Denzel Ward at corner, who is at least a starter, at best possibly a pro bowler. Denzel Ward's a fantastic player. So look, the Browns didn't massively screw up. No matter what you hear today, the Browns, it's not the end of the world in Cleveland. They didn't massively screw up. They're fine. They're, they're okay. They made a different decision than I would have made, but that does not make it a bad decision. And again, I think Baker Mayfield is a better pick than Josh Allen was. So I'm, I'm glad. I think they could have, I wanted Sam Darnold. I thought they were going to go Josh Allen and they went Baker Mayfield. They went over here instead of down and that's fine with me. It's not a horrible thing. I, I love Baker Mayfield. I do. I enjoyed watching him in college. He makes things happen. Baker Mayfield is like Braveheart. He's just a pleasure. He's a ton of fun to watch. And I'm not going to hate on the Browns for drafting Baker Mayfield. The Browns know Baker Mayfield better than I do. Maybe you got to trust him. I will say the police video, the police video scares me. That makes me uncomfortable. And I don't really care about planting the flag, right? The cross grab. No, that's just in the moment stuff. That's on the field. But what does scare me is that he didn't take the Chargers seriously. That also scares me. So the police video, the Chargers interview, that scares me. But this is the reality we live in. I mean, we just got to accept it. The Browns drafted Baker Mayfield. End of story. We can't change it. Accept it. Move on. You know, I think I think Baker Mayfield will succeed. And, and I do. I hope the Browns succeed. But I will acknowledge this. Baker Mayfield is a risky draft pick. He's a much riskier draft pick, I believe, than Sam Darnold would have been. And, and, you know, we'll look back. We'll find out eventually. We look back five years from now. We'll remember. Never forget, the Cleveland Browns chose Baker Mayfield over Sam Darnold, for better or worse. And the pressure's on. Time will tell. We will see in the future. But, but I'm rooting for the Browns. I, I really, I hope the Browns succeed. And I, I gotta say, you know, I, I respect John Dorsey, the general manager for the Browns. I respect what he did. Here's why. He took a risk. He did something that is kind of out there. And you can call it arrogant. I probably would have yesterday. But I do know this. You must take risks to succeed. We've seen it over and over and over again. The Rams, the Rams are doing it right now. When Alabama, Nick Saban benched their starting quarterback for their backup quarterback, Tua, in the national championship, they took a risk. You have to take risks to succeed. And that is what the Cleveland Browns did. It's not what I would have done. I would have drafted Sam Darnold. But I got to say, John Dorsey, he has massive, massive stones. I respect that. You have to take risk to win. And, and hey, John Dorsey definitely took a risk. So again, I'm not going to trash the Browns. I just, eh, nah, I don't think so. But here's what I will get into. So the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall. And what that did was that left Sam Darnold available to the New York Giants. The Giants had a chance to draft Sam Darnold. And I said mistakes were made last night. 
Let me tell you, the New York Giants passing on Sam Darnold is a worse mistake than when the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. The fact that the Giants passed on Sam Darnold is absurd. It's ridiculous, and I cannot believe it happened. It was a massive, the Giants made a massive, massive mistake. They had Sam Darnold available, and they decided to pick a running back. This will go as an all-time sports blunder, if you ask me. I will never, ever forget the moment the Giants had Sam Darnold available to them, and they picked Saquon Barkley instead. Eli Manning is 37 years old. But let's forget his age for a minute. Let's just talk about his play. His play is declining. Eli Manning Manning was benched last year. And Eli Manning wasn't benched because he's incredibly good. He was benched because he wasn't playing very well. Again, it wasn't like, oh, you know, we're playing the Raiders this week. Let's, let, let's give Eli a break. We wouldn't want him to hurt the Raiders because he's so good. No, they benched Eli because he was not any good. That is fact. That's reality. That's what happened. Here's how good Eli Manning was last year. Eli Manning was so good for the New York Giants. He led them all the way to the second worst record in football and the second overall pick. So the Giants, who needed a quarterback and who still need a quarterback, the Giants who need a quarterback, drafted Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State. See, I got a third of, oh man. Now, now, on paper, they're great. On paper, the Giants look fantastic. They have Odell Beckham Jr. They have Evan Ingram. They have Nate Solder, the left tackle. They got Pat Shermer, this new offensive coach. And now they have Saquon Barkley. They look great. The Giants, they look fantastic. The Giants drafting a running back when they need a quarterback is like putting a pretty paint job on a car with a busted engine and then expecting to win a race. It doesn't happen. Your engine sucks. I don't care about your paint job. I don't care about that spoiler. Saquon Barkley's an accessory. He's not actually any substance. You need a quarterback. Eli Manning's a busted engine. He's not any good. It's over. The Giants are screwed. I'm declaring it over right now. Even if Saquon Barkley is a Hall of Fame running back, he won't win you games. I'll give the Giants the benefit of the doubt. Maybe Saquon Barkley is the greatest player since sliced bread. I know that doesn't make any sense. Maybe he's the best running back since Adrian Peterson. Because I watched Hall of Fame running back Adrian Peterson for years in Minnesota. And Adrian Peterson could not win by himself. Adrian Peterson didn't have a running back. He couldn't make the playoffs. Didn't have a quarterback. Excuse me. When Adrian Peterson didn't have a quarterback... He couldn't make the playoffs. Then guess what? Brett Favre showed up. The minute Adrian Peterson got Brett Favre, he won games. And that is because a running back can only win if they have a quarterback. Quarterbacks win you games, not running backs. And right now the Giants do not have a quarterback. And since I know, I know that Giants fans are watching this right now and they are angry. They're livid. How could you insult our quarterback, Eli Manning? Fine, fine, let's, let's, let's assume, let's assume I'm wrong. Let's assume I'm wrong and Eli Manning has one to two years left. Guess what? Eli Manning's going to play for one more year, maybe two, and then he's done. And you're back to square one. You'll still need a quarterback again. 
The Giants had an opportunity to draft Sam Darnold, who could have been their quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years, and they decided not to pull the trigger. Oh, and I'm not done. I am not done talking about the Giants. It it, it gets worse. Not only did the Giants pass on Sam Darnold, the Giants let the other team from New York, the New York Jets got Sam Darnold. The Giants didn't just pass on Sam Darnold. They let the other New York team have him. Never forget, last night, the New York Jets won New York. Last night, the New York Jets just became the best team in New York. Their future is so much brighter right now than the Giants. You realize, you do realize, the Giants just committed to a 37-year-old quarterback. Oh my goodness gracious. Let's compare this to the New England Patriots. Let's compare what the Giants just did to what the Patriots did last year. Because last year, the Patriots traded away Jimmy Garoppolo. And they chose to commit to a 40-year-old quarterback, Tom Brady. And that was a mistake. And I'm talking about Tom Brady. I'm not even talking about Eli Manning. Choosing 40-year-old Tom Brady was a mistake. The Patriots should have gone Jimmy Garoppolo. The only way that this was worth it. The only way the Giants passing on Sam Darnold and committing to a 37-year-old quarterback, Eli Manning, the only way it's worth it is if the Giants win a Super Bowl. (laughs) And in the next two years, the Giants won't even be able to win their own division. You ever hear the song Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen? Glory Days. Yeah, Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. And uh, Glory Days, well, they pass you by. Eli Manning's glory days are over in New York. Eli Manning's glory days are over in New York. The time for Eli Manning's reign in New York is done. His success is over. If it was me, I would have got Sam Darnold. I would have got Sam Darnold no matter what. And and man, the Giants had the world in their hands. The Giants had an opportunity and they dropped the ball. They significantly dropped the ball. It's a mess. It's no good. The Giants passing on Sam Darnold was the biggest mistake in sports in years. I cannot believe the Giants had an opportunity to draft Sam Darnold and they did not take it. We will remember this moment for years to come. So congratulations to Sam Darnold. Congratulations to Sam Darnold. I, you know... I'm so happy for the guy. I really am. I, I don't know a lot about the Jets, but I do know that the Browns have a messy, messy history. And, and as far as I'm concerned, now the Jets are one for one. Their franchise is changed forever. I'm so, God, I'm, I'm so happy for Sam Darnold. My phone blew up last night. People were so excited. They're like, I can't. I'm so happy Sam Darnold didn't go to the Browns. I'm not going to go that far, but you know... <laughs> New York, I'll say this, New York is an amazing city. I've never seen it. That's all I've I've heard. I'm happy Sam Darnold gets to go to New York. That's got to be a great place to live. That's awesome. I believe in Sam Darnold, and I wish Sam Darnold the best. Because I believe Sam Darnold is going to tear up the NFL. Sam Darnold is a special, special quarterback, and the Jets' future has been changed forever. By the way, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best 
most interesting clips. If you like strong opinion sports as much as I do, help me grow the podcast by telling your friends about this show. I'm going to grab a drink of water. I'm stumbling all over my words. I got to... Yeah, it's hard. Mm. Mm, man. Okay. Mm. I'm going to talk about the Bills and Josh Allen in a little bit. But I want, I want, to, I want to move into this because this is, you know... I led the show with Baker Mayfield, and and then I felt like I should talk about the Giants because those are the two stories that everyone cares about. To me, though, I want to talk about what to me was the most interesting story from the NFL draft yesterday. Everyone wants to talk about Baker Mayfield. Everybody wants to talk about Saquon Barkley and Sam Darnold. To me, though, this is the most interesting story from last night's NFL draft because I read a story a couple months ago. I read a story a couple months ago that the giant that the uh, the Dolphins. I read a story a couple months ago that the Dolphins were just obsessed with Josh Rosen. The Dolphins were in love with Josh Rosen. They 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 could not get enough of Josh Rosen. And last night, Josh Rosen fell in the NFL draft. He slid right down the line. And so here's the scenario for you. Josh Rosen is falling in the NFL draft. This is what actually happened. Josh Rosen, he's falling in the NFL draft. He's going down. He, he, it's the seventh pick is passed. The eighth pick is passed. We're now at the ninth overall pick. The 49ers are on the clock. And there are two teams that want Josh Rosen. Did I say out Rosen? I meant Rosen. Two teams want Josh Rosen. The Dolphins and the Cardinals. And again, the 49ers had the ninth overall pick and the Dolphins had a chance to trade up with them and they did not take it. So the 49ers make their pick and then the Cardinals traded up with the Raiders for the 10th overall pick and drafted Josh Rosen. The the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen and the Miami Dolphins sat there and they watched. You know what happened last night? The Dolphins froze. The Dolphins froze. The Dolphins general manager, Will Greer, said he did not expect Josh Rosen to fall as far as he did. Oh, man. The Dolphins had a chance last night, and they blew it. They blew it. The Dolphins loved Josh Rosen. You know what this reminds me of? Here's a scenario. This, this reminds me of this scenario. So you, you have a crush on this girl in high school. Let's call her, let's call her Jocelyn. It's it's Josh, Jocelyn. So you have a huge crush on this girl, Jocelyn. And prom's coming up. You're excited. But Jocelyn's way out of your league. But then last minute, suddenly, Jocelyn, the girl you've had a crush on forever, the girl is way out of your league. Suddenly, Jocelyn doesn't have a date to prom. But you're so surprised. You're so caught off guard that you don't know what to do. And while you're planning and figuring out how you're going to make it work, while you think about it, another guy swoops in and takes your dream girl to prom. That is exactly what happened to the Miami Dolphins last night. The Dolphins could have had Josh Rosen, but they froze. The 49ers would have been happy to trade down. They would have still got their pick. They would have been fine. I remember I got a job in LA once and uh, you know, I'm working at a car place. I was working at a car wash at the time. And on my lunch break, it's Wednesday, on my lunch break, I got a call from a movie director. He said, hey man, we need a cameraman. And and it's Wednesday. He said, if you can be here by Friday night, you've got the job. 
So I pulled the trigger right then and there. I quit my job and I left. I quit my job at the car wash. I packed up my car and I drove 18 hours from Portland, Oregon down to Los Angeles. I I knew right then and there, I got to take it. This is too good an opportunity to pass up. So I would encourage you to learn from the Miami Dolphins last night. Do not let the moment catch you off guard. Sometimes the opportunity of a lifetime presents itself. Just take it. Don't freeze. Pull the trigger. Make it happen. The Dolphins could have had Josh Rosen, and they did not make it happen. Man, it's so sad to me. So many legacies and so many things. Like The, the domino effect from last night is going to be unbelievable. I mean, the, the Dolphins could have had Josh Rosen. They didn't. The New York Giants could have had Sam Darnold, and they didn't take him. It's unbelievable. And then, so the Cardinals traded up. The Cardinals traded up and got Josh Rosen. And I am so, I am so happy for the Cardinals. Because the Cardinals were screwed. You realize that, right? The Cardinals were screwed. They're in the NFC West where the 49ers have a quarterback and they're looking really good. The Rams could win the Super Bowl next year. They have a quarterback. The Seahawks have a quarterback. Even though they're falling apart, they're going to beat up on the, on the Cardinals for years. Because they have Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. I want to play a clip uh, of Josh Rosen last night. Do not forget, remember, Josh Rosen fell in the NFL draft. Josh Rosen's maybe the second, possibly third best quarterback in this draft class, and yet he fell to the 10th overall pick. Three quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold, three quarterbacks were chosen ahead of Josh Rosen. So this is what Josh Rosen had to say about that. There were nine mistakes made ahead of me, and uh, I'll make sure over in the next decade or so that they'll, uh, they'll know they made the mistakes. You know, I believe Josh Rosen may be trying to sound like Peyton Manning, but I love it. Oh, I, I love it. I, I, I am so excited to cover Josh Rosen for the next couple of years. My goodness. And, and I think Josh Rosen is a tad insecure. He's a tad immature, but he tries. He does try. He's trying to do the right thing. We're going to watch Josh Rosen grow up over the next 10 to 15 years. And it's going to be a ton of fun, I promise you. Because he's open in interviews. In interviews, Josh Rosen just talks. He just goes. He has no filter. He's not afraid. Josh Rosen will be the most fun quarterback to watch over the next couple years. I I guarantee you this. Because he, out of all the quarterbacks drafted, Josh Rosen will be the most fun to watch and most fun to follow. He gives highly entertaining interviews And I believe Josh Rosen will be successful. I do, man. Josh Rosen, it's funny. People questioned his commitment to football. People were like, you know, I don't know that Josh Rosen is really committed to football. Josh Rosen loves football. You're crazy. Josh Rosen loves football. You don't get as good as he is unless you love the game, unless you are completely committed to the game. You know, I went to bed at 8.30 yesterday morning. And in fact, I, it's 5.53 in the morning right now. I haven't slept yet. I just keep going. I'm trying to, because I love what I'm doing. And if some people questioned my commitment to strong opinion sports, I'd be so, so angry because I love this. I put everything into it. And I think Josh Rosen has done the same thing. Josh Rosen has put everything into his football career. And when people question his commitment, it's just a massive, massive insult. And I'll tell you what. When I saw Josh Rosen in that Cardinals hat, all of my concerns went away. Any concern I had about him was gone. 
and I got an overwhelming sense of confidence. Arizona got a good one. The Arizona Cardinals got a fantastic quarterback. I'm excited for the Cardinals. I remember when Andrew Luck went to a a bad Colts team. And, And don't forget, Peyton Manning, he went to a bad Colts team. And they were expected instantly to put the team on their shoulders and lift them up. And Peyton Manning did that. Andrew Luck did that. Josh Rosen to the Cardinals feels like Peyton Manning. He does. I think he's going to be successful. I think he's going to be a home run. He's going to learn a lot from Larry Fitzgerald. He's got Sam Bradford there to mentor him for one year. But I think Josh Rosen is going to build something in Arizona. I'm very excited for him. Josh Rosen will succeed with the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm pumped. Oh, man, I'm excited. I really am. You know, the theme of last night's NFL draft was this. The theme of last night's NFL draft was how much do you value your quarterback? And and you could argue that the only team that really values their quarterback too much is the New York Giants with Eli Manning. They think too highly of, of, of Eli Manning. But we saw the Colts draft linemen to help Andrew Luck. We saw the 49ers draft a tackle to protect their quarterback. The Patriots got a tackle. The Raiders got a tackle to protect Derek Carr. And while the Broncos showed, you know, we believe in Case Keenum. We're going to draft a defensive end. We're going to pass on Josh Allen and Josh Rosen. We believe in Case Keenum. And Bradley Chubb, Bradley Chubb is a scary, scary pick for the Broncos. My goodness. And in fact, I think I believe Bradley Chubb to the Broncos puts the Broncos a little bit closer to a Super Bowl. Drafting Josh Rosen would not have put the, the Broncos any closer to a Super Bowl. Bradley Chubb does. Bradley Chubb's unbelievable. Their defense is terrifying. Their, their defense reminds me of when Peyton Manning was there, to be quite frank. And now all the pressure's on Case Keenum. Case Keenum may be more talented than Peyton Manning when Peyton Manning took them to the Super Bowl, but remember, it still was Peyton Manning. It's still Peyton, even though Peyton Manning had a gimpy arm, couldn't throw, it was still Peyton Manning. So the pressure's on Case Keenum. Can Case Keenum make it happen? Can Case Keenum take the Denver Broncos to the Super Bowl? I don't know, but it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. It is going to be a blast to find out and figure out what happens. And the Bills had a great draft. The Buffalo Bills really did have a great, great draft. You know, the Bills traded up and got Josh Allen, and that is a perfect, perfect landing spot for Josh Allen. Because remember... First of all, Josh Allen is this huge cannon for an arm, and that, that's great for Buffalo's weather. But the key to Buffalo, the key for Josh Allen, the reason why Buffalo's a good fit for Josh Allen is that the Buffalo Bills already have A.J. McCarron. The pressure's off. There's no expectation for Josh Allen to start week one. If he does, great. There's no way he does, though, I don't think. But man, with A.J. McCarron there, A.J. McCarron can take a ton of hits, and Josh Allen can sit and learn. He can learn the game. He can learn how to play quarterback. And in a year from now, maybe it's half a year, maybe it's six months, I don't know. But I, I think eventually, Josh Allen will be a great quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. I really do. He's a project. He's not ready yet. But because they have A.J. McCarron, they can take their time with Josh Allen. And that tremendously benefits the guy. Also, don't forget Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds is a freak of nature. And, and the, the, the Bills got a, you know, the Bills might have gotten the two people with the highest ceilings in the entire NFL draft. Tremaine Edmonds could be the best player in the draft. He could be a massive bust. 
Josh Allen could be the best quarterback in the draft. He could be a massive bust. So the Buffalo Bills drafted two project players, but ah, man, I, I'm i excited for them. I think that if they can turn both of those guys into stars, even if they can turn just one of those guys into stars, it's going to make a huge difference for the Bills. They got a huge, they got a 19-year-old anchor to their defense, and they got a 21-year-old anchor to their offense. And if we can find the Buffalo Bills turning Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen both into successes, they're going to have a star on defense and a star on offense, and that would be unbelievable. It'd be awesome. It'd be a ton of fun to watch. I'm excited. You got you to gotta, you gotta appreciate this. If nothing else, the disbursement of quarterbacks throughout the NFL is, is perfect right now. Every team has at least something. The, the, the Miami Dolphins might have the worst. They have Ryan Tannehill. We don't really know with Ryan Tannehill. But, it, man, every team has a quarterback or somewhat a plan at quarterback, and that's fun. That's exciting. Like, thank God everybody now has something. The Giants have Eli Manning. He may suck, but they have something there. I'm, I'm just, the NFL's better when every team has something at quarterback. <sighs> okay, I'm going to drink some water first. I was bullish. I was bullish. I knew for a fact. The one draft pick that I was extremely confident in was that the Colts were going to draft Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. I I just knew it. I knew other teams would be all over the map. I knew the quarterbacks would send dominoes all over the place. We wouldn't know what would happen. But I knew the Colts were going to draft Quentin Nelson. I called it. I called it right. I said everything was going to be a mess. But the one pick I've never wavered on was the Colts drafting Quentin Nelson. I knew they would. Because here's the thing. Chris Ballard, the general manager for the Colts, I think him and I look at the world kind of similarly. I've never met him, obviously. He doesn't care who I am. But I, I love the guy. I think he understands that Andrew Luck needs an offensive line. Andrew Luck still isn't throwing a football. If that doesn't say the Colts should draft Quentin Nelson, I do not know what does. They have to. The, the Colts have to pick an offensive line to help Andrew Luck, and that's what they did. They got Quentin Nelson. They're building the offensive line for Andrew Luck. And the 49ers did the exact same thing. If you look at that, I mean, that's surprised everybody. You know, the 49ers, everybody kind of thought, you know, maybe the Colts will take Quentin Nelson, at least I did. But I thought, I really thought the 49ers were going to go defense. And they surprised everyone by passing on Tremaine Edmonds, by passing on Roquan. I guess Roquan Smith wasn't there. But the 49ers passed on defense, and they went and got Mike McGlinchey. McGlinchey? Yeah, McGlinchey. It's a hard name to say. The 49ers drafted Mike Mike McGlinchey, the tackle from Notre Dame, and I... It's a great pick. You know, in John Lynch, we trust. In John Lynch, we trust. Do you believe in John Lynch, or do you not? Because I look at the 2017 draft class for the 49ers, and I say, wow. It's very clear. John Lynch knows what he's doing. And, you know, the 49ers signed Jimmy Garoppolo to a $137 million deal. And now they're making investments to protect their quarterback. And I think it was a really smart investment drafting Mike McGlinchey. I really do. And I'm not sure how Reuben Foster factored into this decision. 
But drafting offensive line was a really smart decision. I, I, I just, I think that. You know, when I got when I got an iPhone 8, I got an iPhone 8 earlier this year, the first thing I bought, I bought a screen protector and I bought a case because I had to protect my asset. I got this awesome phone. I, got, I paid a lot of money for it. I want to protect it. So, so I didn't expect Mike McGlinchey. I didn't expect the 49ers to go get an offensive lineman, especially on a tackle. But it was a wise pick. It really was. In John Lynch, we trust. I believe in John Lynch. You know, Tremaine Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds may be a shiny object, but Tremaine Edmonds is also a project. Tremaine Edmonds, he looks great. He's glamorous. He's awesome. But Tremaine Edmonds would have been a lot of work. So if you have, if you have 10 bucks, do you buy donuts? Or do you buy a phone case? I'd buy a phone case. The 49ers drafting Mike McGlinchey was a wise move. It was a smart move. It helps protect Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's exactly what the 49ers needed. Okay. I'm going to get to Jimmy uh, to Lamar Jackson in a minute. I'm, I'm, man, I'm misspeaking all over the place today. I'm a mess. My mouth cannot get comfortable. My jaw keeps popping. Ah, can you hear it? Probably can't hear it. It feels weird. It really feels weird. Um, <clears throat> I have some scattered thoughts. We're going to get to Lamar Jackson in a minute. I have some scattered thoughts about the, the NFL draft. So my first you know, interesting bit of information about the NFL draft is this. Alabama, the University of Alabama, had four players drafted in the first round. What? That, that's unbelievable. That's unreal. I mean, basically, if you want to go play in the NFL, you sell your soul to Nick Saban and move to Tuscaloosa. Let, let's be honest. I mean, Alabama had f- not one, not two, not three, four players drafted in the first round. Man, that's unbelievable. And I thought the Patriots had a great draft. The New England Patriots drafted Sony Michelle, the, the running back from Georgia. Great pick. And they drafted the Georgia tackle Isaiah Wynn. The reason why these were good picks for the New England Patriots was you got two players who can contribute right away. They can contribute immediately. That's a smart, smart move. And I'll say this. I thought that, you know, watching Roger Goodell get booed on stage, whether you love the guy or hate the guy, it's it's funny. Like, he's, a, he's incredibly wealthy. I don't feel bad for Roger Goodell for getting booed. Not at all. Honestly, I don't. He's a millionaire. Like, pfft, am I supposed to feel bad? No. I, I don't hate Roger Goodell at all. I don't really understand why people boo him. But I, I don't care if he gets booed. It doesn't offend me. I think it's kind of funny. I'm glad no one booed the St. John, John's kid. Like, I'm glad that that was a cool moment. I liked that. Um, and maybe the line of the, the, the entire draft for Roger Goodell was, <laughs> he goes, you're going to boo the Cowboys? <laughs> I don't know. I had a girl text me. She goes, why were people booing the Cowboys? I said, no, they, they, weren't, they weren't booing the Cowboys. You, you just don't understand. I also liked what the Cowboys did. I really liked the Cowboys draft pick. The Cowboys drafted, I'm going to get it wrong, it's Leighton Vanderesh. Uh, he's, a, he's a linebacker. He walked on to Boise State. He's a, he's a really cool story. I mean, he played eight-man football in Idaho. He's actually not far from where I, I'm in Pullman, Washington, right on the border of Idaho. He's not that far from where I am. Uh, you know, Leighton Vanderesh is a really, really cool story. He's a, 
a walk-on at Boise State. Now he's become a first-round draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a special linebacker, too. What Leighton Vanderess does, he's not the best athlete, although he's big. He's really big for an, an off-ball linebacker. Uh, he's, he's the best linebacker in the draft at reading run pass. He reads the ball incredibly well. So I'm excited. I think the Cowboys, they did the right thing. They picked a pick they really needed. They can find other receivers. I, I don't think that, I think Calvin Ridley was the only receiver worth taking in the first round. And he really ended up in the perfect spot. So, so Calvin Ridley, let's talk about him. Calvin Ridley just is so lucky. He could not have landed in a more perfect situation if he drew it up himself. Because Calvin Ridley to the, the Atlanta Falcons is a perfect marriage. Calvin Ridley went to the Falcons last night. Here's the thing. Calvin Ridley, the, the receiver from Alabama, Calvin Ridley is not a number one wide receiver. He's not. He's just, it's true. But with Julio Jones on his team, he doesn't have to be a number one wide receiver. Calvin Ridley's really talented. He's, he's a little small. He's not the guy I would pick to be my number one wide receiver. But with Julio Jones... Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley complement each other really well. They're going to build off each other. They're going to open up each other. Like because the defense has to pick one of them. They can't cover both. And I'm I'm incredibly excited for Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. It's it's really cool. And it's also kind of interesting that you know the the two best wide receivers for the Falcons now are both from Georgia. That that's also an exciting cool little tidbit. There was this moment. There was this moment last night during the NFL draft. Um, actually, yes, it was, it was a little bit later because Baker Mayfield did this live stream on Instagram. Instagram is my favorite, favorite social media platform. And you can, you can stream stuff live and then people can go back and watch it later. And so I got to watch Baker Mayfield answer the phone call from the Browns. I got to watch it live. It, it was touching, man. It was so cool. I don't, I don't always love Baker. I do like Baker a lot, but that was just a, a touching, touching moment. And uh, I, I really, I softened up when I saw that because I saw a guy with his family and it, I was so happy for him. It was just awesome. I know Baker Mayfield's a risk, but I mean, he's a two-time walk-on. Baker Mayfield is an incredibly cool story and uh, I hope he succeeds. I really do. All right. Are you guys ready to talk about Lamar Jackson? You want to hear about Lamar Jackson? Before we talk about, I'm going to say his name again, Lamar Jackson. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, you can help me out the most by telling your friends about this podcast. Share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram, whatever it is. If you want to help me grow Strong Opinion Sports... Tell your friends about this show. God dang, it is, it's becoming light outside. I didn't sleep tonight yet. Six in the morning, it is 6.09. My goodness. <sighs> Take a deep breath, relax. <clears throat> the coolest moment of the NFL draft last night was when the Baltimore Ravens traded back into the first round to pick Lamar Jackson. That was just such a cool moment to watch. 
And not only was I, you know, it was cool. We see Aaron Rodgers footage all the time. We see Aaron Rodgers sliding down the NFL draft and he's sitting in the green room alone and he looks miserable. Lamar Jackson didn't look miserable, which I love. You know, he's frustrated. You know, he's not happy, but he's smiling. He's hanging out with his family. He's playing with little kids. It's cool. I just, this is such a good, good spot for Lamar Jackson to land. Baltimore is a, a really, really good scenario for Lamar Jackson. Because there's not one, but there are two quarterbacks ahead of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. The Ravens have both RG3 and Joe Flacco. And right now, Joe Flacco's a better passer than Lamar Jackson. In fact, so is RG3. But there's no rush. There's no hurry to get Lamar Jackson out there. Lamar Jackson can take his time. I said yesterday, Lamar Jackson can be a great NFL quarterback, but he needs time to work on his fundamentals. Because he's, he's got a great mind for the NFL. He can read defenses. He just needs to develop his passing. He needs to work on his fundamentals with throwing the football. And that's what he gets. Going to the Ravens allows him time to sit and learn and get better. And that, that's awesome. You know what I'm really excited for? Like I, every every year in the preseason, I'm really excited to watch backup quarterbacks. I get to watch Luke Falk this year, uh, but really the guy I cannot wait to see, the quarterback that I can't wait to see, that you can't wait to see. The most exciting thing about next year's NFL preseason is we get four games to watch Lamar Jackson do his thing, to grow, to make mistakes, to throw interceptions, to run around like crazy, to have some success. Because he's going to be really good and really bad, and it's going to be fun to watch regardless. I'm so excited to watch Lamar Jackson in the preseason next year. And, And this is really why I love the NFL. You know, we've seen Joe Flacco struggle for years. And ever since Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, he's not been the same. And so now the Ravens have picked Lamar Jackson, supposedly, possibly, to be the successor, to be the next quarterback in line for the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, it's worth noting, the Ravens can release Joe Flacco at the end of this year. And the question is, you know, I really wonder, how will Joe Flacco respond? Because we've seen, when you make Tom Brady angry, Tom Brady plays better. Tom Brady plays fantastic. Are we going to see that from Joe Flacco? Is Joe Flacco going to play even better because you're going to light a fire under him? I don't know. Another interesting thought is, what offense are the Ravens going to run? I don't know. Are the Ravens going to run a a pro style offense with you know that fits suits Joe Flacco's situation it, and really works for RG three as well? Or are the Baltimore Ravens going to run a more mobile system that is really good for Lamar Jackson and RG three? I don't know. I really don't know. But I'll say this: by drafting Lamar Jackson in the first round, we learned a couple things. First of all, the Ravens get the fifth year option, so. When his contract is up after four years, they can add a fifth year to it for a lot cheaper. So it's, it's good they got him in the first round if they believe in him long-term as a quarterback. But what's most cool about the Ravens moving up to go get Lamar Jackson is the Ravens wanted Lamar Jackson. And they told the world, we want Lamar Jackson. When you're a quarterback, that means so much to you. It may scare Joe Flacco, but for Lamar Jackson, it's a really good thing. He didn't fall to some team that took him because why not, right? He, he got to go to a team that really wanted him. When Ozzie Newsome and the, the Ravens organization moved back into the first round 
to draft Lamar Jackson. They made a statement. We like Lamar Jackson. We want Lamar Jackson on our team. And that, that is so cool. I love that. That, that just is beautiful, and that's awesome, and I'm so excited for Lamar Jackson. He could not have gone to a better scenario. He can sit on a bench. He can work on his fundamentals, and maybe down the road, he'll be the superstar quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm so excited for Lamar Jackson. I want to talk about LeBron James for a minute, or a minute or two, really, because yeah, believe it or not, the NFL draft is not the only thing we're going to talk about today. There's, there's more sports besides football. Football's not the only sport in the world. Uh, you know, I I remember in school growing up, we'd have to do school projects. We'd have to do we'd have to do group projects. They'd put you and like four other kids together and say, "Build this presentation or do this thing." And I hated them. I really did. I because I was always a good student. And growing up in my schools, I don't know if this is the same for you. They would always put the really good students with the really bad students. So I'd be putting groups with kids who didn't care, who had bad grades, who never came to school. It sucked. And I always ended up doing all the work. I would, I would carry my group. If they did bad, I'd get a bad grade. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to let them do bad. So I'm going to do everything. And I'd do all the work and we'd all get a good grade. And it was really frustrating because if I didn't carry the team, if I didn't make the group project good all by myself, we would all get punished. I would get punished. They would get punished. And I would get punished for their mistake. I would get punished for their failure, and that sucked. So I would have to do all the work. I'd have to pull more weight than I normally would have to. That's how LeBron James feels. It's been a five-game series between the Cavaliers and the Pacers. The Cavaliers do lead the series 3-2, to two, but right now LeBron James is carrying the Cavaliers. LeBron James is the one guy in the group project doing all the work. Let's break it down stat-wise. So we just had Game 5. We just had Game 5 of the Pacers-Cavaliers series. The Cavaliers won 98-95. to LeBron James had a buzzer beater to win. LeBron James had 44 points in 42 minutes. He shot 58%. And Kevin Love in this game, in the same Game 5, Kevin Love was 2 for 11. He only shot 18%, and he really didn't show up. And J.R. Smith, J.R. Smith played 33 minutes. And J.R. Smith scored zero points. He was 0 for 8. Kyle Korver was the second highest scorer for the Cavaliers. Kyle scorer, Korver had 19 points. So LeBron James in game five literally won the game for the Cavaliers. He carried them. How about game four? In game four, the Cavaliers won 104 to 100. LeBron James played 46 minutes. He was 12 for 22 shooting. That's 54%. He had 32 points. Listen to this. Kevin Love? Because Kevin Love, everyone always says, I say, you know, I say LeBron James is carrying the Cavaliers. And people say, well, he has Kevin Love. No, uh, Kevin Love in game four was two for 10, five points. He played awful. He, he shot 20%. He shot 20% in game four. He shot 18% in game five. It's atrocious. Not to mention that Kyle Korver was 0 for 3. Sorry, sorry. Kyle Korver had 18 points to 4 for 9. In game 3, though, Kyle Korver was 0 for 3. Didn't score at all. In game 3, the Cavaliers versus the Pacers. They lost 90 to 92. LeBron James 
had 42 minutes. He was 10 for 22 shooting. That's 45% shooting. And he only scored 28 points. I guess if LeBron James doesn't score 30 points, the Cavaliers can't win. Kevin Love had an okay game. He had 19 points, 53% shooting, 7 for 13. But you notice that if, if Kyle Korver doesn't show up, Kevin Love shows up. But you never get both. You never get help from both. Kyle Korver either doesn't show up. He's 0 for 3, 0 points. Or Kevin Love will be 2 for 11 or 2 for 10. You never get consistent play from LeBron James' teammates. And so it's interesting as we go to, so we'll go now to game two. Game two of this series, the, the Cavaliers did win. The Cavaliers won 197. LeBron James played 40 minutes. He was 17 for 24. That's 70% shooting. He had 46 points. This is the game that LeBron James said, no, I am putting the team on my back. I don't care. I'm making it happen. So game two, the Cavaliers won. Kevin Love was five for six, shot 31%. He had 15 points. Kyle Korver was four for eight. He had 12 points. And it's interesting because let's talk about game one now. Game one, I believe, is where LeBron James was kind of testing the people he had around him. He was testing them to see what kind of people he had to work with. Because when you, the first day you work with a group project, I used a group project analogy earlier. You kind of you kind of gauge everybody around you. How good is Jenny? How good is Craig? How good is Jeff? How what do they bring to the table? Are they going to help me today or are they not? And that is what LeBron James did. LeBron James in game 1, I believe, was testing the people around him. What do you have and what can you do? And the truth is nobody on the Cavs was able to help LeBron. Jeff Green was 0 for 7, 0 points. Kevin Love 3 for 8, 9 points. George Hill, 3 for 7, 7 points. Rodney Hood, 4 for 8, only 9 points. The only other Cavaliers player in game one between the Pacers and the Cavaliers that had double digits. The only other player besides LeBron that had double digits for the Cavaliers was Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr. had 10 points. LeBron James scored 24 points. And after game one, after game one of their playoff series, LeBron James realized, I got to kick it up a notch. I can't let this happen. And so in this series, LeBron James has shot 54%. That's unbelievable. And he's really not had a lot of help. Kevin Love, I think, is averaging 31% shooting. That's atrocious. That's awful. Kevin Love will have games. He'll be 2 for 11, 2 for 10. It drives me nuts. People always want to say LeBron. When I, when I tell you guys LeBron James is a one-man show, nobody believes me. I say LeBron James. If LeBron James doesn't score 30 points, he can't win. And people say, you know, Anthony Davis, what he's doing is more impressive. He's winning all by himself. People say, oh, you know, LeBron James has Kevin Love. He has help. Uh, no. Kevin Love is hurt. Kevin Love has multiple games scoring less than nine points. The last two games, game four and game five, Kevin Love, two for 11 and two for 10. The second leading score for the Cavaliers in the Pacers-Cavs series is Kyle Korver. And Kyle Korver is not very consistent. He had a game. He went 0 for 3. He didn't score any points. The second leading scorer for the Cavaliers in this playoff series at one point didn't score any points in an entire game. LeBron James is carrying the Cleveland Cavaliers. His team's not playing defense. His team can't score. LeBron James is doing everything. We saw game one. If LeBron James doesn't do it by himself, his team can't win. And it is unbelievable to me what LeBron James is doing. And it's not, it should be 
even more of a headline than it is right now. LeBron James is carrying the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right. Last story of the day. We have one left. So I read a report, I read a report yesterday. I read a report yesterday, and the report read this. It said, Pete Carroll fires back at former Seahawks Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett. And basically, Pete Carroll said in an interview, Pete Carroll said that Michael Bennett and Richard Sherman were a pain in the butt. He's quoted saying, you know, sometimes guys can't hang with what's expected. And he said, the best thing I can tell you is that they are not here. Interpret that however you want. You know, what Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett didn't realize is that once you're more trouble than you're worth, you lose all your leverage. If you're not if you're not the best of the best, you can't get away with doing whatever you want. If you're a Pro Bowl corner, you can get get away with a lot more than if you're an injured corner. And uh, the problem is, if you're spo- outspoken and you're killing it, you're fine. But once you're hurt, like Richard Sherman was, you lose your value almost immediately. You're gone. Des Bryant didn't understand this either. Des Bryant didn't understand what Richard Sherman didn't understand. Because Larry Fitzgerald got old. Similar to what Richard Sherman's done. Richard Sherman got old. He got hurt. But Larry Fitzgerald handled it differently than Richard Sherman. Larry Fitzgerald got older. He got quiet. He didn't ask for much. He's been very noble. He's been very... He puts his head down and he works. He finds every way he can to contribute and he keeps his mouth shut. And if you notice, Larry Fitzgerald produces a lot, and he's getting paid a lot, more than Richard Sherman. So I, I think Richard Sherman was a pain in the butt. I think he, it was time for him to leave Seattle. But if you're a 49er fan listening, your question is, uh-oh, sounds like Zach doesn't like Richard Sherman. Can Richard Sherman still work in the 49ers locker room? Yes. Yes, of course. See, the reason why Richard Sherman wasn't working in Seattle was, was, uh, it was because Richard Sherman's trust was broken within the organization. We see, we see this with the, the New England Patriots. The, the reason why the New England Patriots are falling apart is because Tom Brady no longer trusts Bill Belichick. And I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, once you lose trust with a coach, because I think really Richard Sherman lost trust from his coaches the minute they lost the Super Bowl the way they did. And, you know, I had a girlfriend cheat on me once. And you can stay together for a while. But once trust is broken, you again, you can salvage it for a while. But after a while, your trust is broken and you can't get over it. So after, after you lose trust, you can keep the relationship going for a little while. But eventually it falls off a cliff. And that's what happened between Richard Sherman and the Seattle Seahawks. Right now, it's still fresh for the Patriots. The Patriots, the trust between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady has been broken. But they can keep dating for another six months before the guy realizes, you know what? I can't handle the fact that you cheated on me. I do need to break up with you. But, you know, the trust was broken between Richard Sherman and the Seattle Seahawks coaching staff. And uh, once again, when a girlfriend cheats on you, you just got to break up with them, move on, find another relationship. And that's exactly what Richard Sherman found with the San Francisco 49ers. Bam, that's all I have. I uh, The draft was incredible. I mean, I just, I was blown away by the draft. It was a ton of fun. I, uh, I love what the 49ers did. I don't know how much Reuben Foster influenced the 49ers, 
But man, I, I was I was so happy for Lamar Jackson. I I was happy for Sam Darnold. I thought Baker Mayfield was kind of weird. That's not what I would have chosen, but whatever. Like it's not the worst thing in the world. What was awful was what the Giants did. The biggest mistake in the NFL draft was the Giants not drafting Sam Darnold. And then second to that was the Miami Dolphins not taking a chance and going to get Josh Rosen. But I can live with that. I, uh, I'm tired. It's 6.27 in the morning. I haven't slept yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go edit this podcast, get it out for you guys, and then that's all I have. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, remember you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes and help me grow. I gotta see, I'm tired. I'm literally, I'm just out of it. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about this show. Share it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about this podcast. My name is Alex Schaumler. That is all I have. But um bum bam, we're done.